Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode nine of the Mercenary Podcast. My name is Matt Monahan, and today we brought on Nick Eubanks. He's an entrepreneur, investor, online marketer. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. Um, this episode went in so many different tangential directions. We talked about spam. We talked about making lots of money. We talked about rule number 34. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back. This is episode nine of the Mercenary Podcast. Uh, we have Nick Eubanks on today. Um, before we get to, to that, uh, Dan, I just wanted to ask you, what did you do yesterday and uh, how are you doing? Um, well, yesterday I watched the, a series of football games and went on a hike and took some, some cool pictures. Uh, in terms of in terms of work stuff, um, I've been pushing, uh, you know, we had Chris Sparling on the podcast about a week ago. and I've been pushing stuff for uh, the movie we did together, The Atticus Institute, pretty hard. Uh, working on that, and I'm also working on locking... Uh, locking picture on a horror movie I shot last September that I can't quite talk about until mid-February, but we're locking picture on that, and we'll, you know, hopefully finish that pretty soon. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm working on a project that is kind of like a long time coming for, for RJ Metrics. I can't give too many, like, specifics about it, but I, I can say that today uh, was, like, the kickoff, and one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, I've done, I've, I've probably done probably like 30 to 40 different projects in my career. And it's gotten to the point where it's, it's very predictable, um, like what needs to be done at the outset and like the kind of the red flags that go up. So it's, I don't think I've ever had more confidence in a project succeeding um, than I do right now based on the fact that we've done some like major projects at RJ in the last year or so with different results. But like it's, it's, it does really feel really good to be at a point in your career where it's you're you can be like absolutely certain that you've done everything you're supposed to do. That said, you know, like you can get a lot of curveballs and uh, things can go horribly wrong. But for the most part, I guess if I can't really talk about the contents of the project, I can t- kind of talk about how it feels and it feels pretty damn good. I feel like we're both kind of teasing a little bit with these because like, we, we're like we can't. We, we've we've it's done like, some yeah, stuff. Let's, let's let's say that I'm I'm doing something very important. That I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the movie that I'm finishing, not the choice, which is the Nicholas Sparks movie, um, but the uh, the other film I'm, I'm sort of finishing with the editor and the directors. At least the, the edit. There's always stuff after the edit that you work on, like sound mix and music and stuff. But that film, uh, it's a remake of another film, and I just can't quite disclose. I've been teasing it for a while, but by uh, we're selling foreign sales at the Berlin Film Festival in early February, so in a few weeks it'll be announced to great hoopla and then i guess we'll be able to talk about it um cool. you, your project yeah go ahead. <laughs> you can, well your project you can't talk about because you're like you you're uh why why can't you talk about yours is it like a secrecy thing or what's just why is that yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> we can't like it, we have the, the kind of policy that there are some companies out there that will publish like exactly everything that's in the roadmap and what they're going to do on like uh like a two-month basis or even like the next tickets that everyone's working on. Um, we ha- we're not the kind of company that does that. Uh, we kind of learned that, you know, if you, if you decide to do something and then, and you're not like 1000% confident that you're going to, um, going to complete it and then some new information surfaces and you decide to change your mind and you're like, mm, this isn't actually like the right thing to do. It can be worse than saying nothing. 
uh, if you like promise your customers one thing and then deliver something else. Yeah, especially because backtracking can be double checked so much. You, yeah. you, you never want to backtrack. You just want to yeah. make it seem like everything was completely intentional the entire time. <laughs> so I, uh, I support that. So who do we have on the, the podcast this week? All right. So this is uh, Nick Eubanks, and he is a entrepreneur, digital marketer. That's that what you call yourself. Yeah. Um, I, we, I don't even know how we met. I don't even know, uh, know each other. <laughs> I don't really remember either. Probably it's it's probably how I meet everybody in Philly. It's like uh, at a bar. At somebody a knew somebody, and yeah. and somebody introduced us, and and yeah, and then, yeah. It was it, it's probably because you got a heat, you got in a heated argument at some point, and and almost came to fisticuffs. Uh, is probably what happened. That's, which that's is a, all of my friends start out as enemies. Is right. that how you guys met? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably yeah, most but, likely. Yeah, the uh, the soccer team. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you were on my soccer team, but I, I feel on, like yeah, I feel like, like neither of us played that much. Um, so no, actually, we were, I played a lot. <laughs> I didn't really play that much. Is what happened. Uh, so I, yeah, I guess we were enemies for for playing time because <laughs> I had that big contract extension that was going to come up, and you know I was like Matt stealing my playing time and stuff. So I guess we were we were enemies. Um, so all right, sweet. Well, you guys met that way. Excellent. So I guess what what did you do yesterday? Or like what did you? Uh... Well, yesterday was Sunday, but it's a typical day. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, mostly just planning for this week. We're, we're working on pushing like a big piece of um, software to a new staging environment. So like we're spinning up the first instance of a new e-commerce site using our um, code base that we've built over the past, uh, I guess it's probably like seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so like getting that sort of all in in a good place. We're making a bunch of changes to like how data flows back and forth. A bunch of like really boring technical stuff. Um, so like moving away from a thing called a relativity server to a process called eConnect and like I'll stop the technical talk right there because it gets really in the weeds Um, and then I had a whole bunch of follow up for like a product that I launched two weeks ago which is like a training course for keyword research yeah I've been Uh, watching that and that's like um, I I think that's really interesting because it's something where it's I mean you've you've talked about like kind of info products and ebooks before yeah and how like they're fairly lucrative yeah Uh, yeah and uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's like software. There's, I mean, there's no cost to continue to distribute it once it's created. Um, yeah. So, like, for me, I've been like, ah, you know, what what am I going to write that anyone's going to want to read or well, that anyone's going to pay to read? The hardest part was, like, uh, I, I got really stupid lucky and, like, happened to, like, stumble across this the right way. So I meet a lot of people that will create an info product, people that are, like, really brilliant and really know their craft and really have, like, a, a valuable service to offer, valuable information to offer, but they have no audience. So like they'll make sure. this, they'll make yeah. up, they'll spend all this time and make, go make this thing, and then like they'll go and they'll just shout into like this vacuum about yeah. this thing that they have, and yep. you know if they sell ten copies, they'll be thrilled. That's my fear. Um, as opposed to like doing it the right way, which is like building up an audience, being useful, like creating a group of people that are interested in, in whatever it is that you're doing, carving out like a very specific niche within it, and then creating a product that specifically caters to that niche, and then uh, Nathan Barry actually talks a lot about. Yeah. How, like, he put out his app design handbook, and then he started writing about other things that he was interested in, and his sales started to, like, tank. And he's like, well, I need to, like, what, like what's going on? And, like, it, seem, it seems so, in retrospect, it seems so obvious and so, like, uh, so, like it's such a common sense move. But when he started writing about app design again, he started selling more copies of his book, so... Yes. But you're saying that as soon as he went off in different directions, like as soon as he was like, I'm going to talk about this now, yeah, it suddenly which, cratered. Yes, which is crazy because like they're all very complimentary. Like he would talk about different pieces of the app process or app marketing. Like he would 
do all these things that were very much in the same wheelhouse that seemed very complementary, like and like that were part of his product lifecycle development process, but they weren't directly attached to like the design process that his product was was in like in light of. So he was kind hmm. of like being punished for like diversifying, sort of. <laughs> almost, really it almost seems that way. Um, yeah. So Dan, do you know? Like, so it's interesting, man. So, so Nathan Barry um, is like pretty like I guess prolific in terms of. Um, Ebooks, <laughs> product launches in general. Now uh, he's got his own paid forum that I'm a member of. It's, it's called Building Profitable Audiences. It's absolutely worth checking out. Um, super nice guy and right. a software company. Actually, like just hired. I think they have like up to two or three full time employees. Um, this, I'm also a user of the software. It's uh, it's actually pretty cool. It's like meant for like authors. So, like it's like tools to like help build an audience and then like distribute. Uh, like via, all via email, like to that audience very specifically. So, so how vertically integrated is he? Is it the kind of thing where uh, from like zero to 60, if I said, I, cause you know, one of the things that's funny, I was at a party on Friday and, um, a lot of the people I was there, I, I wasn't really the youngest person, but there was definitely a lot of people who were much more experienced than I was. And, you know, I was, it's funny cause they were interested in, in a skill set that I have, which is making like tiny movies. Um, I worked on some larger ones, but a lot of times I've done stuff in sort of the half million dollar to a million dollar range. And it's a lot of people are sort of fascinated in making a film because they don't really believe it's possible. It's a certain skill set of how to do that. So especially because not to go down the rabbit hole too much, but you're always going to put as much marketing money into a movie, no matter how small the budget is. But you're not going to so you're you're not going to skimp on the marketing, but you are going to skimp on the budget. So if you can make a movie for half a million to a million dollars, that can be distributed as a bigger movie. That's a discernible skill set. So I think for me, although I have been making larger films, I still have that skill set sharp. Um, and so if I did an ebook, it would be how to how to make and distribute the half million dollar movie, or how to perfect. And you this. could probably make a bunch of money doing that. And like, okay, well, so, th- so that's the thing is that there was I think the the, the term ebook was kind of like soured during like the dot com first dot com bust. Because it was just a lot of it was just trash. Uh, you, you're you're buying it for like a dollar. <laughs> well, yeah, people uh, now are giving them. I mean, they're they're practically I don't want to say worthless, but like that's the most common hook you see on people's blogs and on websites to get an email address. Like just to get the, like the top of the funnel content is like yeah. download our guide on the ten best ways to enlarge. You know, or you know whatever. Yeah, whatever I, I mean, it's great for like. So I think UX Pin was doing this really well, where they were giving away. They have like six or seven of them now. And there are these white papers for free, and it was just like how to structure a UX organization. It's still the most go. I feel like it's the most go to lead gen. Lead gen. Uh, <laughs> it like for it all works software. on me, <laughs> but for all software companies, I feel like. And then like any data. Yeah, we have white suite, papers. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the easiest way to like just get the email address. Which but is, then like I, I feel like it's a newer thing to actually be writing these as a single author, like someone who's not uh, part of a company. And selling like the independent publisher yeah. model. So the thing well, where well, I think a lot of times, like back in the dot com era, everything was like really people would really undervalue. Like they'd sell it for nothing. And also, I think there was just an attitude towards like if this isn't distributed by a real publisher, it's just worthless. And that obviously doesn't exist sure. anymore because people have gotten over it. Whether it's and also the, it was like your your how to work from home, like a dollar. Like that's usually what the, what these things were, and they were like. How to how to uh, get rich? It was like all get yeah, rich. It was all MLM and and yeah, and, uh, and MMO. So so the stuff that's out now is usually written by people who are actually very knowledgeable, very thoughtful, 
put together like something that's worth your fifty dollars. Um, and it usually has, and it's usually marketed towards like software designers, um, developers, and it's usually like very either. Usually, it's like pretty actionable uh, information that is. It would it would take you more than fifty dollars worth of time to know. Or maybe it's spread across three different manuscripts, or it's it's maybe it's it's information that's not rocket science, but it's it's been aggregated into one document and it's been figured out where yeah. before it might it might take you like two years of experience to like just know. There's a, I'm really starting to to read books and like about management and stuff like that that I really just wish someone told me. It was like a page of text that looking back it would have probably been worth to me like a thousand dollars if if i had known that page of text uh sooner so it's like there's well, definitely a market for like real value whereas like in the past it's just been all crap so say all right well take my how to make a tiny movie how to get it how to get it financed how to get it made and how to get it distributed say say i could write a 140 page ebook or how, how long are that, they that's usually? a paper i mean you're talking yeah. like a hardcover book <laughs> that's, that's like way that's too a, much that's, that's like an adult book <laughs> Yeah. Adult book. That's a grown-up book right there. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're saying like 75 and change. Dude, my, my new course is – well, first of all, it's delivered over email. There, there's no PDF. Uh, it's, like a, it's like an email a day for seven days, and it's right. probably 15,000 words. Hmm. Yeah, so the, it's, it's less work than you would, you would think. Okay, we'll just say theoretically, as a tangible example, that I had this book and it's you know, 60, 60 pages. Say, say it exists. Glancing at it as he's talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I looking, can hear your pages. Uh, uh, I'm 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 writing. Yeah, I've already finished it. Um, so say I ha- say I had this book uh, using this guy's service. You, you mentioned Nathan Berry. Um, so what is what does he do? What what's special about what he does to get this stuff out there? Well, I mean, so he's, say I know he's a designer by trade, so he. Uh, um, his service, so like his this piece of software, like it's still it's like tools to help you build and distribute an audience, but like you still need a platform to build the audience. So like the best thing you could do would be start writing, like create a home base. So like you know you create your website where you're gonna have your story and your brand and your accomplishments and like sort of your whole digital bio, um, and then create a couple cornerstone pieces of content and then go create stuff that's complementary to the content that's on your home, like at home base that you can use to link back to home base from other sites that already have existing audiences that for lack of a better word, you can sort of leech off of. Um, yeah, that's the, the thing that, uh, we were talking about this, like, how do we promote this podcast? And it's just like, the, the reality is that people are not buying your product. They're really buying you. They're buying like, because they they either admire you or trust factor. Yeah. There's just, yeah, so there's there's this trust that, that goes into it, and that if you're just really consistent about your message, people will just be like, "All right, I will buy." Like I realized, I was buying Tim Ferriss books just because I like Tim Ferriss. Yeah, like he's I have like, all his he's a likable he's a likable person. Yeah, and like I yeah, you you actually weren't reading them, and you're putting on them on your on your bookshelf. I read like two chapters. Like <laughs> they're massive. Like I got the Chef book, and I, yeah, I, got, I read like, like the first chapter, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm never gonna make it through this book. It's like, <laughs> and, and most of it's pictures and pages. Too. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Yeah, I have that downstairs, and I've used, like, maybe one chapter. I think I put more coffee cups on that than I've ever... I, I, I think it's more of a coaster I did, else. because of the four-hour body, I did buy a kettlebell, and that's been one of the, the best decisions I've ever made. Interesting. So, but, like, <laughs> I buy I buy his... Anything he puts out, because he stands for what I feel like I stand for. Like, this kind of, like, independent, autonomous person 
that it was is trying to optimize every single part of their life. Right. It's just somebody who you believe in, like your religion is trying new things and finding new ways of doing things and not settling and just trying exactly. to opt. Because a lot of smart people have said that when it comes to luxury things, like the biggest luxury in 2015 and the future is is time. And time is the biggest commodity in, that, that we'll have. Um, because eventually with 3D printing and with everything, we'll pretty much be able to get anything we want at any time. And so therefore, things that actually take time to develop will be worth a lot of money. So that's like that echoes what like John Maynard Keene said in like the 30s, where he was just mm-hmm. like, by, 2000, by the year 2000, uh, people will work 10 hours a week and we'll have so much free time. And the thing is, he's, that, that makes perfect sense as long as everyone is willing to to have only the luxuries that existed in 1930. So, like, it's, it's, it, you can't, you can't have, you know, a podcast, you can't have a computer, there's no TVs, there's no air conditioning, there's no heat, other than, like, firewood. Um, there's, you, it is, if you want to live a 1930s lifestyle, you can work less than 10 hours a week. Um, and I think the same will be true 100 years from now, because... Like, it'll just be like, well, so are you going to go on that vacation to Mars? And it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I feel like doing that this week. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's a $10,000 vacation. And it's just like, well, yeah, there it, will be more. Like, you're going to be able to go through the black hole to another universe if you want to. I think the biggest stress about that is, uh, Nick, have you seen Interstellar? Yes, Absolutely. Okay, so I don't want to I don't want to quite get into that right now, but I feel like one of the biggest because there's, there's a lot there, but I feel like one of the biggest future stresses is oh I can't go on the vacation this week because if I do, it'll take three thousand years and my kids will be older than me when I get it's like it's like yeah it's like you it's it's not like uh, oh your parents or your parents want to move to a vaca- like a vacation. They want to go to South move, Florida. They want to go to South Florida, <laughs> or you, you say you want to move to another country. And your parents will be like, oh, man, we'll never see you again. It's just like, listen, I'm going to do something, and you're going to be dead if you don't do it with me. And what that means for, um, like, relationships is yeah. like... Yeah, no, that, that's the biggest problem. It's like syncing your, 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 your different... It's like upgrading to a new iOS is, like, is going to be, like, syncing your schedules with people so that you can age together with them. That's a whole other... That's so, a whole other... So Nathan question. Barry... Uh, upgrading your your life bios iOS <laughs> like that line I, this is this is perfect yeah uh, anyway yeah. what you were saying I forget what the hell you're talking about but but basically how to right oh you're saying building brand wise it's like you just yeah, want to create it, something that people can relate to it seems like that's like what underpins well yeah well dude, I mean the hardest part is like carving out a niche like so like in like the search like in like the search space like there's search marketing which is like this big continent and then you like you have like the civil war of search marketing which is like paid search versus organic search yeah and then like those are have like even amassed like their own like huge armies of followers and like there's no way to stand out in those crowds because there's such crowded spaces now that you have to like drill down into another subset to figure out like what's the niche within the niche that I can actually stand out in and then like develop and expertise and like that trust factor for whatever that is um like that's like to play in at least in that space like the brand ability factor i feel like is twice removed uh, and, and like for for organic search i feel like they've had their like legs cut out from under them with how like google well in some ways the biggest thing about it is like the like in every e-commerce business i've ever like that i own owned 
invest in, consulted for, anything, like the organic traffic converts at such a significantly higher rate, mm-hmm. like that the 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 direct intrinsic value of the like visits from organic search for specific phrases and keywords is so much more valuable than like the whole like like a multiplier of the paid like the paid acquisition budget. Yeah, that it it's still it doesn't matter like how much it's diminished and like how much like Google I, I hides the like, data. Yeah, it's it's harder to prove that your activities. You are, have to get more creative and yeah. like figure out like attribution is is. Attribution is like one of those emerging markets. Like attribution technology in five years will be like what ad networks were five years ago. Like everybody will have one and like a hundred of them will die and five mm. of them will rise from the Can you guys network. define some of those terms just real quick? So, you know, uh, what you think in 2015 organic versus paid searches and just some of the things you were just talking about. Can you guys de- define them? You said attribution. Yeah, like the ability to, like you were saying, like the ability to like, um, technologies that would allow you to track like what actually created a visit or a sale like it's becoming harder and harder to do that like because google who's sort of like the 800 pound not sort of google is the 899 pound gorilla um is doing two things one they're they're delivering all these new interfaces for search so like search is not there's Two people searching the same thing at two different times of day might get different things. They could get different things if they're logged into their accounts or they're not logged into their accounts in the same household. You're going to get different results if you're on one side of town or the other side of town. You're going to get different results if you are friends with this person or you liked this thing or you purchased this thing or you clicked on this ad. It goes like on and on and on. It's like a rabbit hole of its own. So like between Google creating all these different interfaces to augment how searches is served and experienced based on the queries that are actually being used by people like us when we're looking for things um, between that and the fact that Google is stealing more and more of the data, literally stealing it. They're not giving you the data that is your data, which is, and the specific one is what are the keywords people are using to come to my site or to make the, make a purchase? Um, they call it, they label it as not provided and they, yeah. they proliferate this under the guise of um, security, uh, user security, which is complete bullshit. Um, and, you know, they even have a, a chief propaganda officer uh, who I can only imagine what Matt Cutts gets paid. But, like, it's just his whole job is just to create misinformation out there because they want people to slow down. On you think the, that's what they're intentionally that's doing? That's absolutely it. It's like it's, it's, they need to create misinformation so people can stop screwing with their, their potatoes. Right. Like their, so they can't. Their potato farmers. So they're just like, oh, if we just do that, people will be able to get We need to scare. We need to, like, create enough, uh, like, enough FUD out there, like, enough fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That people will stop doing these in mass, and like we're going to create, we're going to make examples out of people who aren't listening to us. Yeah, and we're going to release all of these algorithm updates, like the whole panda thing, panda and penguin and pigeon, and like there's all these, like they call it like the attack of the zoo animals. There's all these animal themed updates, zoo animals, um, that just have like screwed with people's lives, like wrecked entire businesses. The worst part about it is there's all these innocent business owners. I realize I'm going off on a tangent, so I'll wrap this this rant up in a second. the thing that people don't realize or like a lot of business owners that got really hurt and affected by this, like businesses that went under overnight because of their reliance on search, organic search specifically, like they were paying some third-party SEO company or some digital marketing provider who was doing all of this shitty work or was outsourcing their work to India and didn't realize – or Pakistan or, or Canada or wherever or somewhere in the U.S. I don't want to make this about like a country thing, but – like outsourcing and was like outsourcing – the outsourcers were outsourcing and like really crappy – shitty thin work was being done unbeknownst to the company marketing manager who was spending their money on this and it worked for a while until suddenly it didn't anymore hmm 
Uh, I just like the fact that they have a chief propaganda officer. Like, that just sounds very... They uh, call him the head of web spam, and he's actually, like, he's taken, like, an extended vacation as of, like, two or three months ago. Which I think was just, like... <laughs> this is the best a, job. I think that was just a way, like, for them to be like, all right, we're going to start really screwing with your search results, and you're not going to have anybody to point the finger at anymore. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, he's not available for comment. It's, it's sort of like, it's like the mystique of, is this person actually alive, and where... It's like they're in some weird, like, James Bond villain base somewhere. You yeah, know, just, just hanging out. It's probably pretty accurate, actually. Um, I want to get to SEO in a little bit because I feel like you know a little bit about that. Uh, but just to wrap up the whole ebook thing, it seems as though um, you're saying there's a real market for building a base, getting things out there, and, um, you know, having a very specific topic and then being dedicated enough to actually build an audience that you think would respond to that and then staying on message. Yes. Yeah. And the, the last part is definitely the most important. Um, you know, it's, it's one of, you know, there's a lot of ways to create passive revenue streams, right? But it's one of the, the ways to create like a very, a very reasonable, like five figure monthly passive revenue stream. If you put like enough time and effort into it to the point where you can, you can, I believe you can get it to the point where it's almost self-sustaining. Um, you can create enough of a destination website where people in looking for a specific set of information with, within a specific set of topics can come and, and it's sort of a, a snowball rolling downhill effect where you can have people who are just so excited to get in front of your audience that they will put significant amounts of time, energy, and research into creating content for your site and you don't have to pay them. You're giving them a platform to share, you know, a soapbox to stand on top of, um, Right, you're almost at that point. You've almost created your own multi-level marketing scheme because you've you've sort of in, like enabled people to sort of do it for you. Yep, yeah. And copy blogger and pro, pro blogger, I think, sort of led the way. And then you've got people that sort of latched on to that model and then just continue to run it themselves. You got people like Pat Flynn who are doing I don't know, eighty or ninety grand a month and uh, just like affiliate revenue through like his sites, but he still like owns it and runs the show. And but it's converted from writing over almost entirely to a podcast now. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I wonder, and of course you can add different paywalls and do different things. But um, do you uh, do you support like who has the best system? Is it like Amazon system? Is it uh, like doing it yourself, or uh, who who do you think has the best platform to launch stuff out there right now? Um, I really don't like Amazon. I mean, I, I'm a customer of theirs. They get my money on a weekly basis. Um, I you use, mean like like selling? I use is, Dan. Are you talking about like selling products on Amazon? Yeah, no, I'm I'm saying for the perspective uh for this perspective ebook writer, what do you think is the uh the most compelling way to launch something? I mean, I used to like my first one, I worked with the the team at guides.io. Um it was uh or guides.co, sorry. It was a formerly Excelio, so it was a, a excel.io and then they got a new much better domain and like converted it over, but it's a digital uh like a digital ebook distribution platform. I did that the first time, and it worked really well. I sold a couple thousand copies of that guide. It's like a year and a half ago. Um, that was pretty cool because they're they had a content team, and like they like all I had to do was like provide a lot of the content that I had already written, and they helped me like get it all together. And I just gave them a table of contents, and they put it all up. Like that was significantly hmm. less work on my behalf. Um, but uh, like at at the time, they were taking a pretty big rip commission wise, and then like they realized I think that was turning off authors a lot, so like they changed it. And it's better now, but it's still – I don't have as, as much control as I would want to. Um, so this second time, like, you know, I would probably – if I was going to do it again, like I've got, I've got one website that's a premium content website. So we use uh, – we're actually – we're in, just in the middle of replatforming. But like we initially used uh, a plugin for WordPress called Paid Memberships Pro that allows us to put paywalls up for specific pages on the site. 
we're moving over to a member because of email and, and some other boring stuff. Um, but I would probably do it that way if I was going to ever do it again. Like if I was going to do like a big course, like something you're talking about, where like, you know, I wanted to almost train people on how to make these movies and there was almost modules that like really you could like you could really get into the nitty gritty on and it was like this very large collection of information. Um, I would probably use like a hosted content solution um, versus like a, a say a PDF. Um, you ever heard of anyone using like Gumroad? Yeah, so like I use Gumroad for this most recent one. So like yeah, the beautiful yeah. thing with Zapier, which is like this automation yeah. platform, which yeah. I fucking love Zapier, man, it's amazing. <laughs> we we should we'll definitely link to all these in the show notes because I know we're rattling them off pretty quickly, but we should definitely do that. But uh, uh, I was going to say, dude, the Gumroad platform is is pretty fantastic. The biggest issue with Gumroad is that they don't support PayPal, and I doubt they ever will. The good news is Zapier does. So like if you you have like a delivery mechanism. So like mine is I just need to add a new subscriber to what is now ConvertKit, which is Nathan Barry's uh, yeah, right. email platform. Like there's a sale that happens either in Gumroad or in PayPal and then it makes it's a zap if you're playing with Zapier. It makes a zap and adds the subscriber in ConvertKit and like it's completely automated. All I have to do is is you know, so, sign up. So Dan, like so Zapier is a like a, it's like a real meta startup. It's just like you have something, you have some information in one app and you need it in another app, and if they, if that, if those two companies haven't made a direct like API integration, so they share information, you would use Zapier, who is who has made uh, a connection to both of those companies. Oh, genius! So it's like a third party like API broker. Yeah, and it's excellent. It works yeah. really well too. I feel like it's kind of dangerous though. I don't know. I mean, right? I mean, like so. It's like, all right, so this all is your a very, going through them. Well, so well a very all, bad example, but it's like all right. So Chase doesn't have a Twitter, or <laughs> Chase doesn't have a. I'm trying to think of a good example that actually isn't yeah, stupid. I want to see where that, that Yeah, no, but it's like, okay, so Chase, <laughs> no, but like Chase and Mint, uh, you know, we, it's been well documented, my my uh, displeasure for Mint. But uh, it's like Chase and something like Mint where you're like, okay, I kind of trust this because uh, it seems as though this is one of the better examples of a financial, uh, you know, app like this. But uh, – if I were to share that with somebody else, I wouldn't share my bank information with anyone anyway. But uh, you know, other than one of those apps that I guess seems vetted, but I guess that can kind of seem a little bit, a little bit concerning. Well, I, was, but, I, I use Zapier for a crap ton of stuff, but it's all every single platform that I pass information between. The end result is adding an email, removing an email, or sending an email. That is always the result of all of like the fifteen zaps that I use on a daily basis. Yeah. Huh. So I'm not sure where else we were, um, but yeah, we'll link to all those uh, all the all those ways that you can publish stuff. I mean, it's so. What's your what's your sort of final take on all that? Like, it's sort of the the sharing economy and uh, has sort of gone. Is it the best example of that where suddenly you can like you, you can publish anything that you want to and you can find an audience that you want to, to if you're will I mean yes, to an extent. I think like there's there's a huge market still. I'd be crazy to like believe otherwise. There's a huge market for like these PDF ebooks that like are also formatted for Kindle and you distribute like you do a big launch for like like one day for a dollar or for free on Amazon to build a bunch of reviews and like there's all these like hacks for like building like building your snowball up real big before you roll it downhill. But at the same time, I feel like to stand out in, like, any one of these crowded spaces, like, you need to do something different. Like, I chose email specifically because it wasn't a PDF. I was like, I want to do something different. And, like, because it's a training course, 
I figured, like, how do I get this in front of people so they actually see it, and how do I give them, like, bite-sized chunks over a period of time? Yeah, it's like, if you can, if you can really master using email really well, it's, it's like, it's perfect. It's still so works. personal still. Yeah. Like you have, like, it's so hard to capture people's attention and like, yeah, it's kind of funny when we send out emails for this podcast, people will write back and be like, what are you, what are you doing again? Like, but they write it directly to yeah. us, yep. you know? Um, yeah. It actually inspires. Yeah. It actually inspires some, some direct communication. Um, but I think what you're saying is ultimately content is still king. Like you, you still have to do something different. Like you still have to, you still have to put yeah. something out there that's worth, worth finding. Yeah. Like, First, you have to put yourself out there, which usually eliminates like 99.9% of people that would even consider doing this. Because like you have to be vulnerable. And then the other side of that is like you have to produce something that people actually want to read, which like eliminates probably the next 99% of people that, that try to do it. And I think it's like it's, it's all just practice. Like if you just see what other people are doing, if you learn how to write well. Oh, and I still I still suck at writing. That's the best part. Like very very seriously, like I am not a good writer. But some people are abysmal. Like I see emails from like either like some of the marketing emails I get from like pretty legit companies. Are yeah, people will cold terrible. email me, and I'm like, that's what you're going with. Like, <laughs> like you've never spoken to me before, and you're going with this. Um, there was some study though that like so if you're in if you're in tech at all, you get like tons of recruitment emails, tons of recruitment messages on LinkedIn, and. I think the the result of the study was just that personalization and like really taking the time to write a good email doesn't pay off. Like yeah, it's the ones that are just complete like copy and paste to every person. If you do it enough times, you're you're gonna have a better outcome than the person that's like really thoughtful. Yeah, which is sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that though. It's still I don't a know. numbers I feel, game. Yeah, like yeah. Dude, they they sort of prove in it. my premium content like for my premium content company, it's in the sports niche, which which will give you a little bit of background. But like we use spam. Like that's like we we buy lists from other companies that mine like all these sports enthusiasts and we send out huge amounts of emails, yeah. like through <laughs> like through like a, like servers that like doesn't matter if they get shut down and like and how does that make you feel like it's I mean it if it didn't work so well I would be really bummed out by it but like it works really <laughs> really well <laughs> you're like you're like at least I'm upfront about it <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I'll be least... absolutely honest about it so. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like people listening to this will will feel like murdering you, but it's okay. It's uh, you're like you're like that guy. There was an episode of the Daily Show went back when Stephen Colbert was on it, and he interviewed a guy who was like, he didn't call himself a spammer, but he basically was doing that, and he was just like, "So what exactly are you doing?" He's like, "Well, people enjoy receiving email, especially from people <laughs> that they don't know, because it's like a new friend, and it's like, well, what types of emails? It's like, well, you know, the kind of like penis enlargement." <laughs> Uh, Viagra. See, that is straight spam. Like we're, uh, mortgage. We're at least like we're, like we're like offering information for free that people at least like we've got a couple hundred people that pay us hundreds of dollars a month each like to afford this information. So like we're at least giving something of value away. Right. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've, yeah, you've really you've really bought into this. You're like we found the sports betting addicts and we know they want this information. <laughs> and, they don't have a gambling and, problem. They have a money problem. Right. And gambling is a solution. <laughs> No, no, exactly. And so, therefore, it's like they're, it's like you know this heroin addict. Like they're going to score smack anyway. So we might as well give it to them in a safe. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm sort of taking this example too far. I mean, but, that, that was the uh, Silk Road uh, argument. It was just like let's get the drug dealers off the streets and get people <laughs> getting their drugs from the UPS man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in terms of, I want to shift into some of the stuff we're already talking about. Some of the stuff that you do, Nick. But I wanted to stick on SEO because I think a lot of people. I want you guys. You guys have both 
worked in it in various forms. And I wanted to see if you could explain to me and also people listening exactly what SEO uh, is now and how it's transformed since it, its inception in the mid like 2000s. Cause I feel like it's undergone a few different um, variations and has evolved a little bit. Um, sure. No. And, and it was like the, like the late nineties and early two thousands was like the wild west of SEO. Like, Oh boy. You could just, oh boy. You could just stuff like keywords and white text on a white background. And like you do all these things that Google actually like, will like just destroy you for doing now. Um, like their algorithm is extremely intelligent. Um, you know, they've, they've got machine learning dialed in pretty well. Um, Google employs more doctors than like, I think the whole of the, like of all hospitals combined in the country, something like some insane number. Um, uh, but like, the, there's some basics like there's some, would they like, employ the doctors to keep their people happy or or just to that's how many PhDs PhD. they have yeah. <laughs> like people with doctors <laughs> yeah just, it's all the just, medical just to doctors. keep their just to keep their staff alive <laughs> they need to keep their people working 23 and a half hours a day so they need yeah. people running all these food lines anyway I'm getting carried that's, away that's what I was that's what um, I was getting so Google's smart now so yeah Google's very intelligent and um, you know there's different there's there's Somewhere over 200 signaling um, properties that go into the algorithm, and like there's probably you know 100 that have been confirmed, and there's probably 150 that people will say they know, but nobody really has any freaking idea about. Um, all you can really do is test like in your vertical, and uh, you know try to read what you can from people you trust, but you still have to try it yourself. Dan, like if you can remember what the internet was like in like 2000, like 1999, 2000. I remember I was trying to operate this scheme where you would have a website. <laughs> You uh, you get like a paper like a click ad like a pay per click ad, and then you just direct traffic via another pay per click ad that's yep. like a little cheaper. Yeah, and people would and it was just arbitrage, and you would like you weren't you weren't adding any value. Well, I guess you were adding value in the sense that the, you're, that you're person you're fooling you're fooling yourself. But yeah, no, like <laughs> people were getting to the thing that they wanted to buy, I guess, but it, it was not successful for me at all. But it was successful for people that really put the time in and like. And we're able to exploit that for a little while. Yeah. Um, so, but it's, you're saying that before it was much easier because of where the internet was and predominantly where like I Yahoo think, and Google was. It I think was it's easier. Only to, easier when you think about it in retrospect. Yeah. Like at the time, you're like, oh, man, how are these people doing yeah. this? And it's it's still that way today. It's, but yeah, like it's, it's still five years from now, you're like, the biggest thing about it though is like really like I think like if you're gonna do it right now, like the hardest thing to do is like, and I'm not just saying this because of like the section of SEO that I write about, but like you need to really understand like user intent. Like, like there's so many words that modify other words, like in terms of search queries that like you can really, there's enough tools and enough data out there at this point that you can like really dial in the sort of the phases that somebody would go through before they make a purchase or they make a decision. That decision could be like giving you their email address or their phone number or sending you a picture, whatever it is, like, you know, something that happens on a website and like, there's all these steps and you can very realistically map these out now, like this whole like conversion funnel. And there's very like there's very real like accurate ways to to map language um, to each of those stages of that funnel, and like serve people specific types of content or a specific experience based on where the, they are in that funnel, based on the word they gave you to let you know where they are in that funnel. Does that make some hmm. sense? Yeah. No, it does. Um, so with that in mind, what so say uh, you're working in SEO 
like five years ago versus now, what would, what would your respective approaches be to if I had a website to get my website to the top of list? How is that? How how is that approach like changed? So links still like contrary to what the like the head propaganda chief will tell you from Google, like links still move the needle. Um, like you know, the higher authority link, the more the like the the more authoritative the website is, um, like and the greater volume of links you get from more domains that have authority, like the more you're going to rank for terms that are semantically and contextually related to whatever that link text is or whatever the words on your homepage are that you're like, you're really focusing on. That's still very accurate. Um, but there's also like, there's a, there's a popularity factor that my buddy Ian, uh, Howells like tweeted out like a year and a half or two years ago at this point that like always sits in the back of my mind. And it's so common sense for anybody, especially like outside the industry, but like even in the industry, if you really start to think about what this means and like how you need to engineer this as like your end, like as your byproduct, um, some really interesting creative ideas, you know, may come out of it, but it's like, here it is. And it's, it's so simple. I think like I'm I've already built it up too much, but shit that's popular tends to rank well. Like at the end of the day, Google is a user experience company. Their go- end goal is to give, show people what they want as fast as possible, as often as possible. So, like, they're going to use a whole bunch of, of data and a whole bunch of, of pieces of an algorithm to try to figure out, like, what do you mean when you enter this word and who should be the most relevant example for that word? Um, so, like, there's different types of words. They generally fall into four buckets. Uh, so, like, if you had to, like, map search intent or user intent to, like, four types of queries, you have informational, navigational, commercial investigation, and transactional um, yeah, conversely, know. those four types of queries also take you from the top of the conversion funnel, which would be like informational, down to the bottom of the funnel, which is transactional. And like to give you an example, like there's blue shoes, men's blue shoes, uh, men's blue shoes size eight. Where to buy men's blue shoes size eight? Like that's that's start to finish. It's extreme oversimplification, but like so that's, still like blue shoes would be at the like it's the a head top. term. Yeah, it's totally informational. Like that person has no they don't know what kind of blue shoes they want. They don't know what size. They don't know if they want to buy them yet. They don't know if, if you put a brand, a brand name in there. Then it becomes a navigational search. Yeah, okay. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so where do you come into this right now? And you own like 10 companies that are different, or you do, do you do like lots of different things. So yeah, what's, what's like <laughs> your main, my main gig <laughs> is uh, I'm a partner at. And, uh, and they all seem to be very different, which I respect. Well, it's they like, all, they all lean pretty heavily <laughs> on search. Um, okay. Which is like the big common thread. Um, uh, I don't like invest in any like uh, emerging technologies or anything like that. Like I, I literally, I just invest in like different types of websites. So like I've got user generated content websites, um, like premium content websites, uh, a bunch of e-commerce. Um, but uh, my main gig is I run all the digital strategy for a portfolio of e-commerce companies in a pretty unsexy space, um, which is like traffic safety products and airport safety products. Um, this is genius, though I have to say, because I was I was doing a film recently in uh, September, and so Dan um, really has opinions about cones. Okay. I, I I have lots of opinions about cones. Actually, it was we had big opinions about safety vests, okay. which is uh, one of your top sellers, I imagine. Yeah, it's like number um, four, I think, on our in terms of categories. Yeah, uh, I did not know that, but I, I was guessing. But we were doing the scene where, uh, not to go into too much detail, but we were on this like private road. And a lot of us were like, well, there's no traffic here. Why do we need safety vests? But at the same time, there's a way that you should do things in a way that sometimes you cut corners and sometimes people get hurt. And we're like, all right, you know what? There's like two cars a day on this road. 
I guess we'll get safety vests. And there was almost a mutiny, and uh, and then and then it came down to, you know what? No one actually really sells these things because at Home Depot, we're like, okay, we'll go to Home Depot, right? There's tons of laborers and people who work on construction sites, and they must sell these things. And just by perusing your site for a traffic safety store. It's not very sexy. I, I admit that, but I would say that well, your site's very well designed. So I'm not trying to diss your site. Uh, but it's like all this stuff. It seems as all these things that I don't usually go looking for these things. But it seems as though whenever someone's like, I can't find this somewhere. It seems that you only have things that that people just don't sell other places or are very difficult, and you have it in one space. So just the the, the eye test. Uh, for me, it seems that this is uh, something that would be very effective. I, I also want to tell the story of Dan, like when, when you were at NYU, and this is like before I, I had any inkling to be in business with Dan. Um, you were just like, first of all, you're like shooting somewhere that like we've kind of had permission to shoot at. And then yeah. you, you just, you pull up in a truck, you you pull out like 10 cones or something like that. And you're like, I'm like, wow, did you really get like a permit to block off the street? You're like, No. <laughs> but but no one it looks but, like we do. He's like, but people think that you can't just get cones. People think that it, you <laughs> must <laughs> you must be important if you have if you have access to cones. So you're like, so we're just gonna put these cones here, and no one's gonna bother us. And it was I'm absolutely right. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm glad we weren't arrested by. Uh, <laughs> but no, but it, it kind of that's kind of akin to my uh, landed in a walkie theory. It's that. It's like ultimately like I think it's kind of what Chris Barley was saying was last week on the on the podcast about authority figures, and it's like people want to or people sort of like most people trust or like have to believe authority figures no matter what, mm. and um, if you have a lanyard and a walkie-talkie, like you must like somebody must have vetted that you have permission to be here and that you're sort of in charge of something. So if you just give someone a lanyard that has a placard that has something official looking on it with a walkie-talkie and, and you have some cones, I mean, that's the trifecta of closing down a street and, and doing, we used to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can't, you just can't get away with that now, but we used to, I'm trying to think what else we used to do, but I remember I just, one time I just actually, people would, would write you blog posts about how they, they were like, you just completely ruined their month or something like that. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, this guy is just so effective. I was like, I have, yeah. to, I have to do something with this guy. Yeah. Well, there's one time actually we didn't have permission at all and we just had a student permit and the mayor's office used to give us permits. Uh, there were sort of these blanket student permits, but you could, it was weird because it was the same format as a real film permit. And so on the, on, the, on the surface of it, it was in this blanket radius that was from Canal Street to 14th Street, and not to go into too much detail, but it was in this one area. And within that one area, they never said that you couldn't do things because it was the same format. So I remember one time I ordered this uh, 60-foot construction lift, like one of those giant uh, cherry pickers, and I stuck that on a corner in Soho in New York. And... These cops that were assigned to us were like, well, it, it doesn't say anything about this on your permit. Like, you can't close down the street and you can't do any of this. But it took them like eight hours to come up to us. And by that time, we already had <laughs> – You were like already done. We, we were already done. And it, it was just sort of like – the guys were like, okay, so we can stop traffic once in a while if you get your shot. But it, <laughs> nowhere nowhere in your permit does it say anything about that and they're pointing to this like 60 foot lift and and that and there's like three people up in it and 
Yeah. So anyway, I mean, yeah, that's the whole fake it till you make a thing, but just with like heavy machinery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think looking back, safety is is obviously uh, you know safety is is key now. Um, not saying it wasn't key then, but I feel as though uh, we're not usually rolling out in a truck with. There's one this one commercial that Bernard and I did where we just had no money and then. Bernard and I were like technically directing it and we were also we just got like a thousand cones the day before and we just blocked out half of Greenpoint in Brooklyn because we were like we don't have time to we we didn't have enough money to hire people to like watch the spaces and so we just put down so many cones and where do you get your cones cones are not cheap no but that's actually there's there's specific places in New York a place called Kits and Expendables and this other place um there's like very specific location rental companies in New York. Should tell me like, more about these specific companies. <laughs> I yeah. So and they Wait, rent actually, them, how much is a cone? Uh, three dollars. Three dollars a week. Three dollars a week for a cone. What's the so, well? There's that's the SAS there's like, model. Well, there's like fifteen <laughs> sizes and weights and like it, it, the it, cone it, as a service. Model. They get real boring. <laughs> no, no, you're you're right. We have to combat it's against the, the rental people all the time. Actually. Well, what do you mean well, combat against them? We don't do rentals. Like, rentals is, is a whole separate crappy business. Well, yeah, but they can rent them, right? I mean, they bought the cones. But there's a lot of people that will rent. Yeah, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of people that will rent cones instead of buying cones from us. So, like, I, I can't believe we're talking I don't about like rental companies. <laughs> These, oh, man. Just the, the seedy underbelly of the cone <laughs> industry. <laughs> I don't really get into this kind of detail now, but coming up, my whole philosophy on the film industry was learn as much as you can about every aspect of it so that you can always call bullshit on people. And right. that's, that's how we got... a big part of just learning anything. Right. And so... And also just having no money but doing lots of stuff. There's so many things we did in film school and right afterwards that I just literally did everything. So um, in, in the one-man band approach is exhausting but it has its benefits but i always think the people renting cones in new york their whole scam and nick you'll appreciate this is that uh if they rent you 20 cones they want you to lose two of them oh yeah so so they can charge you the rental plus get a whole new cone for it absolutely because then you have to replace it Yep. and they're going to charge you you know probably 50 yeah, percent on top of what they paid and it's probably pretty easy to lose cones Oh, people steal oh, them. Like, like, if you do a Google search or a Twitter search for traffic cones, I'm not kidding you, you will be absolutely bowled over by the amount of like daily updates. It's in the tens of thousands, and it's all college <laughs> students like, oh, man, they came home with a traffic cone last night. Like, people steal <laughs> them like they're candy. Those bastards. It's just ruining – although I guess it's good good business for you, I though. love it. Take all you, the traffic cones in the world. <laughs> you're, in, you're in a business people, where people yeah. steal the things that you sell. because people don't think <laughs> – well, the best part about it is we a big part. Of, we gotta get the street sign. Business. A big part of our business is the customization of cones. Like, like we do the like we have like some specific insulators that like the big boys can't do. Like Amazon and Home Depot are never gonna like put your logo on a cone. But the best part about doing logoed cones, especially for car dealerships, you're a BMW guy. You see a blue cone with a BMW logo on it. You are absolutely stealing that cone. So they have to call us and get more. It's like wow. all the Monaghan Realty signs uh, in down in Ocean City. Right, we definitely still have <laughs> so a few of those. Wow, that's that's kind of genius. All right, um, I'm trying to think what other what other markets are like that. Things that people yes, will consume so, yeah, let's, and destroy, let's kind of forcing like, you, forcing you to replace them. Uh, pint glasses, uh, coasters, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, anything personalized that could be like a commodity for like uh, some brand, like any anybody who's like a brand freak. Like people used to steal like a. Uh, 
Red, I don't remember this, but like Red Bull used to put like flags like on like like convenience stores and stuff like that. They had like these little flags they put on doors or like on windows, and they were first starting their distribution into the U.S. Um, and those things got stolen like hotcakes. I love the like hotcakes metaphor. <laughs> just thinking about stealing, people stealing hotcakes. I just watched the Dave Chappelle uh, killing them softly stand up like a week ago, and like that was that's still my favorite reference in there. Oh, I've seen it. I oh my god, I can't give the whole line. I'm All not right. allowed to, but. <laughs> It's worth yeah. watching. Uh, okay, so you you do the traffic safety thing. Well, which then, is awesome. here, I wanted to. I just wanted to point out, like you you said it earlier, like your your thing is that you have like a playbook, and you you'll go into any market. If yeah, you see an opportunity. yeah. There's like there's like maybe like ten things I look for. Yeah. So like that's 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 like way different than someone who you know like maybe somebody who's like really particularly passionate about solving a problem. Like you're just like I I know how to execute. In this particular way, yeah, yeah. and like, the and end, you'll just do it any any way, any, any industry, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the end game is totally like, I want to get to a point where I can just start picking up like dilapidated online based businesses that like fit this criteria, yeah. and just build a fund of these because like it's the there's like a Warren Buffett thing to like online business, like it's not rocket science. You just got to figure out like it's almost always the same set of levers. Some are just like further along, or some of them more rust than the others, but like you're pulling the same ones every time. Yeah. So what attracted you to say – well, I think we know what attracted you to the uh, the traffic safety uh, niche business. What are some of the other businesses that you run and what attracted you to those? Uh, so, I mean, I invest in a in a bunch of like – a lot of them are content types. So, like, I have one UGC site in Japan. Um, what's a, that's what's a UGC? user-generated content. Oh, okay. It's pretty big. Um, I thought you were going to say, like, manga. It's all – it's all like, <laughs> It's all it's all search driven. We spend zero dollars in paid advertising. Um, the goal was to become like the Yelp of Japan because you know, knock on wood, Yelp is not in Japan yet. Um, but uh, that one was really intriguing just because it was like there's this. How can this, you do that without doing all the? Like I feel like Yelp took a lot of work. So so like, like it was it was like it wasn't my idea. I was I was hired hired as a CEO. It was angel funded. We had a whole bunch of money. Hired I had 32 people. Most of them were Japanese. Like. I designed the CMS and designed like the go-to-market, and then we launched, and it just sort of is a self-sustaining thing now. Um, it's not I almost like it's it when you say like oh I, I was the CEO of a 32-person company. That's almost hard to believe that you can do that in anything else. Uh, that was all I was doing at the time. Okay, that was like 2011, first half of 2012. Okay, that was my life. That was 100 hours a week. Right. Um, okay. Going from you know a want me be, be, the company being me and my investor to yeah having like a full time team here in Philly of six and then like a distributed team throughout the rest of the world okay um, so like there's that that thing's still going on um, and then I've got like a, pre- a premium content company I'm working on like taking that model which is like the we give away a lot of content but like the really like important useful valuable content you have to like pay like for a membership to come in like behind that paywall to get like that's like we're selling content like SaaS, which i think is, is awesome again like big search leverage there like lots of uh lots of split testing for like conversion funnel lots of conversion rate optimization stuff going on there um and then i've just like tried to parlay like that not like the knowledge of both e-commerce um and content like into just other ventures so like i've got another ugc model i was telling you about like your listen like I'm an investor in your list. Okay, like that's u- what user generated yeah. content, but for audio, it's all audio. Um, a couple other little things that I probably shouldn't talk about, but um, I think that's about it. Okay. What's uh, <laughs> wow. what, what, what's uh, that's a lot of stuff. What's uh, so you can't talk about your listen? 
Uh, I mean, I can talk about your listen. Um, so your listen is, is like, Dan, Simplecast. The thing that okay. we use to, to publish it's, this podcast. It's essentially like the, the end goal, and I hate, hate describing it this way, but this freaking, like, the analogy factor works so well for explaining concepts to people who have no idea what they are. It's like YouTube, but for audio. Imagine, like, if YouTube existed, but there was no video component. It's Uber for healthcare. It's exactly. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we actually, we, we love talking about this kind of stuff, because that's, that's, that's the, the classic Hollywood joke. That, that's the, the classic, it's like, it's diehard on a plane. <laughs> that's, like, that's the classic uh, yep. thing. You know? Wait, it's like, but isn't, it's isn't ghosts, SoundCloud on YouTube for, for audio? Isn't, uh, uh, I mean, SoundCloud is sort of like, um, SoundCloud, I feel like it's sort of been corrupted, like, it's not. Uh, it's not really what it started out to be. Okay. I really like SoundCloud, but I feel like it's kind of directionless. I think, I think people I, people like their embed. Like their yeah, embeddable. their embed's very. It, it's very it looks very cool. So like the thing is like they've alienated a lot of users. So like I have a whole bunch of friends. So like one of my ventures is like I have a project. Like I wanted to learn uh, like notes. Like me and some friends started messing around with Node, and we built this. Like I had a really good DJ. Like a really good uh, uh, domain. Like excellent domain. Okay. Um, and I was like, let's just build this thing and put it up here. And like, it's, it's on Meteor and like started customizing it. And it's just, just for fun. Um, and the end goal there was like, we're trying to solve this problem, which was like, and YouTube actually gotten better since, which sort of bums me out, but that's a separate story is like, there's really no good solution for like, I want to stream music in a specific like niche of music, like a, like a vertical of music. And I want to like I just want to like go play music but not on a radio station. Like I want to have more control than that. But it's not Spotify. But I want to use it from my phone. But like <laughs> I'm not a big Spotify. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'm all over the place with that. Um, yeah, I, well I, I don't know. I mean I, I feel I feel like I will you're... say that Spotify audio like iTunes it's it's not people have not solved the that, music problem. Yes, the mobile music problem. I because feel like when I use Spotify. Like I'm pissed off most of the time. I'm like this interface. is I like, won't use Spotify. Is crazy. I won't do it. Because all I want is like. I I want to have I want to be able to discover new music and usually that's through like radio or something. Like yeah. that. Usually it's through somebody telling so me. Pandora is usually my discovery engine, but like I don't really? like their ongoing listening experience because like after sometimes like a hundred hours times, it's all the same songs. Yeah, and I mean often oftentimes I'm like I really want to listen to that one song that I haven't listened to yes. in, in ten years. Yep, and I want to listen to it right now. Yep, and if I can't do it, I'm like and you go to, and a lot for that most people go to YouTube. You'll go to, you'll go put up with YouTube yeah. and you'll because you really want to listen to that song. Dan, do you remember us at that party in in Bedsty on like New Year's New Year's Eve and people were just like, uh, no, the DJ isn't here yet and I'm like I'll DJ and I just kept putting YouTube videos on. That's, yeah, like, no, that's, kept, that's the that was the only way you could do it. Yeah, I kept we kept like and, we and had all were of like, like this the is uh, awesome. <laughs> just like yeah, yeah. Man. And then the DJ was so angry after we. After <laughs> yeah, this. he comes up. He puts like an iPod shuffle and and it hits play and it's and it's like uh, Mariah Carey. <laughs> like get the yeah, get we, this DJ out of here. He paid we, for we this were guy. doing all the although the Ratatat remixes. Yeah, and, we were just and all Ratatat uh, weird notorious dubstep stuff. <laughs> Yeah, dude, yeah, the, the like, notorious B.I.G. like mashups with Frank Sinatra, like those, and oh, yeah. that is a whole party in itself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's all you need to put on. Oh, oh, you mean you mean, you mean Bed Stuy to Blue Eyes? Yes, exactly. Yeah, actually, yes, yes, exactly. No, but you're you're right though, because honestly, I feel I put on iTunes Radio jazz on a lot. I really like that. Um, I think that the iTunes Radio stations, for the most part, are actually pretty solid. Um, I sort of, you know. It's because I, I like sixty five percent like iTunes Radio. I sixty five percent like Pandora, and I kind of like Spotify. But you're right; there's nothing that's really well. That's not even the core. Like the core problem that like the founder was really trying to solve that I think he's actually doing an okay job at is like a home for all of your audio files, and it's completely free. Like you can't pay for your listen if you want to. There's nothing you can do to give your listen money. So how do they make money? Uh, it's all ad supported. 
Okay. Is it ad like interstitial? Like um, we're experimenting. Like the... We're experimenting with some stuff that I don't love right now. But yeah, like, I'm the kind of person that will pay to not have ads. Exactly. So like we're like, he, and he's like really. So we're working on some stuff. Like yeah. I was brought on to help figure out like monetization and user acquisition, and like that's all like literally what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um. But like, like there's thousands of free eBooks on there. Like there's thousands of completely like copyright free. Like uh, audio samples, so, like I've all I have a huge group of friends that like all make music, like all produce their own music, like, and they don't like they're always looking for new places to find samples or like take samples that they like, put their name on them that they've created and put them somewhere, and mm-hmm. like that's really like that's like sort of a short term goal for them. And like for them, it's just like they're not making a living doing it; they just it's a hobby. It's for fun; like, they love yeah, it. Yeah, so there's right. a passion to it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean um, so what do you think is like, what's the one that you're focusing the most on this year? And, uh, like, which do you think is going to have the biggest growth this uh, year? So like for like traffic safety stores owned by WL Snook and associates, which owns a bunch of other e-commerce like, websites. But the thing is like what nobody knows is that we own all the technology that we run and I've been building like designing and building CMSs and like working like, like really in the weeds on almost any, any major uh, e-commerce platform you could think of. I could probably rattle 10 off the top of my head for like the past eight years. And we've got a really serious piece of technology that I'm really proud of. And while we don't plan to become a technology company, we're going to start to really actually use this technology to to spin up more assets and really, hmm. really sort of grow the asset base pretty substantially this year. Sort of using each of these sites that you own that you're already benefiting from the technology as case studies to then further launch the technology. It seems like that's how it works. Like when you're when you're going to launch something, it's like you better have one really solid case study. You're like you're eating your own dog food. Yeah, the, uh, that's, so we dog have, fooding. That's, that's if, if, we, if we wanted to go sell a technology, we could point. We we have the best case study you could ask for. Yeah. Um, like, and we've done it a couple times. And now. you said it's it's an e it's like it's an e commerce. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a dot net. It's a .NET platform yeah. that, like, you can plug so you, in. You, I'd be if, if you were pitching me on it, I'd be like, let's say I, I, yeah. I, I'm an enterprise customer with Magento, yep. and you and so like this is way, yeah, way, I would so go like, to you guys. Yeah, so like it's it's just as scalable as Magento, except like we're going to give you all the like all of the security like that you're not going to ever get with PHP. Like we're going to give you all the security of .NET, like yeah. like as a licensed Microsoft platform, you're going to get to use SQL versus any of the other crappy Apache databases you might want to, or servers you might want to mess with. It hooked up to Dynamics, which is like a grown up business accounting platform um microsoft dynamics microsoft dynamics yeah, right. so it's a whole dynamics back end and then like on top of all that like we have plugin integrations for salesforce and like you can hook up embraco or yeah like, so it's like CMS. you're you're like so far ahead out of the gate well dude the other thing to like i'll show you i when we get off here, like the admin panel like the back end like yeah. the actual interface that you use to manage the store is like i mean i, I just I, again i'm patting myself on the back because i've had a big hand yeah, we'll see about like yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah. you're just, i'm not a designer i design i'm barely a designer <laughs> so but um but yeah I'm, I'm excited for this thing to actually like start to become we lean so heavily on technology now that we don't really use it as much as we should like we've got we're a massive domain portfolio we're not massive not in comparison to the other ones but like we've thousands of domains okay. like we actively like i buy a couple domains a month like buy, i probably buy 40 or 50 domains a month like at premium auctions, like we buy whole other websites. Like we're actively like building this big. Yeah, it's like if you're the kind of person who just wants to get into this business and is like, you know, what? if it's not, if it's not, uh, if it's free, if it's if it's not registered, I'll buy it for like the eight ninety nine a yeah, year. Yeah. But you're like, no, if if it's ten grand, I'll definitely yeah, buy we, it. Yeah, and we and, and constantly like we like we went out like a great like a good story is like uh, trafficcones dot com. Like yeah, I remember you putting that out and, and like you put you tweeted it and I was like. No one other than me <laughs> is going to appreciate this tweet. And I was just like, 
I think I retweeted it was just like yes traffic trafficcodes.com like I've been waiting for so, this. so you guys bought that so yeah you guys that, was an, that, was an that was an operating dropship site yeah it was an operating <laughs> dropship site and like my business partner saw it and was like we have to have that and like if you go there now like there's like it's a placeholder information site in WordPress it's a piece of junk site that I threw up because we just had to put something up there until like we're ready to attack that vertical and like we've got a plan for it. like that's going to be a, like a straight to consumer like it's going to be more of a self-serve model for just traffic cones because that's a market that actually exists now but didn't yeah. exist five years ago so you're saying you're saying that you're you're very popular here in the sense that you uh you send massive amounts of email spam and you domain park as many things as possible we don't do anything. i feel we like. don't domain park though like we have like there's legitimate <laughs> sites up so, like we probably operate four or five hundred sites and like like they're all like they're custom design, like a professionally designed real websites with real content that like we researched and created. Hmm. But like yeah, I mean, we're a digital asset company. Like whatever, if there's va- like any intrinsic value guess, that can be built. Like Dan, I guess to like what exists today is like there are there are still markets that are so niche that if you if you were to, if if there weren't these kinds of sites out there like. You'd have like no information on them, or you'd have to like call someone. And they send you a paper brochure. For but there's just so much disparate information still out there. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of organizations. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. Like it, that used to be the norm. Like it, if you can re- like remember back in like 2000, it's like there used to be like nothing on the internet. There used to be, or yeah. if, the only way you could ever find something in Google is if you like knew the exact search term that by well, chance. Remember Hotbot? Like I would like you'd, like you'd go on Hotbot for three hours and like you know only then would you find something that maybe. You could then take it. Like there was so much requerying. Yeah, oh yeah, you, no you diver- query like several things at there a was, time. There was no diversification of the search results. It was just like, oh, here's the word. So like, here's all we have. Here's all twenty five yeah. results. Yeah. Like, like you, you could you could search something that like you knew existed and get zero. Results. Yes, yes. Like that was possible. That act of, yeah. So and like there, you know, we've come really far, but there are still things where like, what was I? <laughs> I, I was like, I was watching Cosmos. Uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and they started talking about alchemy. Yeah, and I was like, "What is this alchemy stuff?" There's not a whole lot of stuff out there on alchemy. That's yeah, like... most of it has, has been proliferated by Paulo Coelho because he wrote a book called The Alchemist, and like that, right, right. that exploded, and like that. Yeah, I was just a like, series "There of... must be these people that still, you know, are into this or something like that." And I found one site that looked like it was created. In well, and then there's so like there's that aspect, and then there's Rule Thirty Four. And like, no, and there's, yeah. then there's everything in between. <laughs> what, what's what's rule thirty four? I don't know if I can actually say it on this podcast. Oh, you absolutely can. I absolutely, yeah. So rule thirty four <laughs> is pretty simple. It's it's if it exists, there's porn of it. Oh, right. For anything okay. and everything you could ever think of. Remote. Like I can just name stuff in the room that we're in, like remote controls, coffee tables, leather chairs, Lam- lamps. Yes, lamps. there you go. Especially lamps. <laughs> yeah, lots of lamps. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, well. That's all pretty. It's all pretty crazy, um, Matt. What do you? Uh, how, how can we wrap it up? Like, what else do you want to? I don't know. Uh, this I'll, is I'll, like I'll, this. This podcast has been. We could, we could go on. <laughs> I. Don't, <laughs> I feel like I could talk for another two hours about a lot of stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, it's uh, Nick. It's been awesome having you here. Yeah. This is, this is really funny and stupid and awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have you on again. Yeah, maybe. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go more direction next time. <laughs> No, no, it's all. I'll, do you? Um, I've actually. I ordered three sets of uh, safety equipment while I was doing this. Uh, do you guys? You guys don't sell those like police bars, do you? You mean like batons? No, no, no. Like the police. Yeah, I want to get no, one of those. No, <laughs> no, no, not, not, not weapons. I mean like the um, 
the uh, the police bar on top of the police car or whatever, or like um, top of the police car, well, like a light bar, a light, like a light, oh, yeah, you know, like a light, light oh, police top. lights, no, no, yeah. no, no, those, those are like those are like po- like those are funded by like like state organizations that like, no, there, there's no cons- like you actually can't get those as a consumer and Spencer's right. gifts. But we do right. we do sell a bunch of like stuff to police and fire departments, but like it's mostly like barricades and safety vests. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna buy some barricades. You never know. If you guys want and, like what I will happily send you is like I will send you each like a like I don't know if you guys have a formal logo for mercenary. Like I know I know, yeah. I know the one like, that you guys have in like the white block on the in front of the airplane thing. If that's the logo, like yeah. I will totally I get a mercenary cone done for each of you, and I will send it out to you. Holy shit! You just oh, have to awesome. let me know if you want orange, lime, or blue, because those are your only oh. options. I mean, like orange. <laughs> it's I mean, come on. I mean, right. I, th- I think we would be fooling ourselves if we didn't have uh, if we had a lime green cone. I mean, come on. I'm not kidding you. Lime green is actually gaining way more popularity because they're they're more visible. Like they actually are higher visibility. Yeah, but that's that's on. the best that's the best way this could end. Some things are traditional. Alright, cool. Alright, well, thanks so much for joining us and uh we'll definitely chat soon. Alright guys. Cool.